Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. We bring you conversations that will inspire, empower, and educate you to thrive both in business and in life. My name is Vash Naidu, and I'm your host, an intuitive fempreneur coach and the founder of the Wonder Woman Club, a global community of phenomenal women doing phenomenal things in the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today um, for the Wonder Woman podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest. We have Joyce Johnson with us today, and she is another Wonder Woman that we want to introduce to the world and want to share her story. Joyce is an author, a speaker, um, a sales influencer, and a business coach. So Joyce, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here. We appreciate your time, your energy, and just your love for supporting and inspiring women. Would you please tell us a bit more about yourself and your journey to where you are right now? Well, hello, Vash. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I, you know, I always have to start with where I grew up because I really love the area where I grew up. So I'm in Houston, Texas, where I currently reside. I grew up um, 40 miles south of Houston on a small island called Galveston, Texas. A lot of people probably heard about it, you know, um, and then um, it's a big travel location, which is why I say that it's one of the top travel locations, Galveston Island. And then I attended college at Historical Black um, College University, 40 miles north of Houston. So um, I attended college there. I was a journalism student in high school, studied journalism communications in college. Um, have, I worked in sports information. I think I maybe missed my calling because I, I'm, I, I'm almost willing to say I was the first woman on the football field taking pictures and, 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 and writing articles and things of that nature and almost getting run over by a pack of big guys. Um, but I worked in sports information, which really taught me a lot of things, being in the athletic department and helped launch my career. I think it really taught me a lot about professionalism and things of that nature, but um, started my um, career in sports. And from there, um, went into sales and, you know, well, I was in, in sales then as well. I've been in sales for about 25 years. I founded three companies. I've been on boards of organizations. Um, you know, I, I mentor college students and young people, young professionals, mm -hmm. and help them with their, what I call adulting, right? Moving from their, either their college life to workplace or moving from workplace into leadership in other areas, which is a passion of mine. But um, my titles, um, daughter, sister, niece, aunt, friend, cousin, those are the ones that are really important to me. I, I feel you on that one. That's um, that's the meaningful stuff, right? Where we where we share our love um, with people and the connections we have. So thank you for that. Um, so I think the question I want to ask you is, you know, when you obviously worked in a corporate industry for so long, and then you decide to go into your own business and starting your own business, that's terrifying in itself, just the thought. But how did you transition into creating and starting your business? And what were the challenges you faced in that first initial phases? You know, um, great question. So when I initially started a business many years ago, and I, I was, it was due out of need. I had been with a company that was having layoffs year after year. They would ask me to go and build a team, and then I'll build a team and we'll have success. And the next year, I have to lay all these people off, right? And then eventually, the person who was laying everyone off got laid off. And so um, it was a very competitive time. I wasn't really, can't say I was really ready for it. I had um, just recently gone through a divorce. 
uh, it was just a lot going on in my life at that time. I was getting my MBA, just had finished up my MBA. So I started a business um, because I knew I could, and I was getting consulting contracts. People were asking me to do things. And so I just made it a business and did a lot of contract work. And so I didn't ramp up enough and really didn't see it as a business. So I knew that I would be leaving corporate and starting a business again, because I wanted to not work all my life in a corporate environment, right? So this time what I did, um, when 2017, I wrote my first book, Why Sales for College Students. I really thought about, I was, like I mentioned, I was a journalist. I really thought about what I wanted my books to be like, what I wanted the series to be like. And, and I wanted, when I wrote my book, for it to have a purpose. So I began to build my brand then in 2017 with that first book. And that first book, Why Sales for College Students, and then I went on and on, and I began to network and things, knowing that really um, next year, 2022, <laughs> I would probably be leaving corporate. Well, I was having a conversation in corporate one day after being number one, two consecutive years, had just closed a $10 million deal, and my leadership, I felt, was just you know, we weren't in a good space. And I said, you know what, Joyce, just it's time, you know, walk away, you're ready. And so I began, so I left in June of 2019. But at that time, I had built my brand. I built a very strong brand. I built some additional networks. I am still extending those networks. But I said it was time for me to go and sell for myself and for my family and, and build and create my legacy. I shared with someone other day, it's important for me to be successful at this because I want the young people in my family to see that, yes, you can be successful in a corporate environment. And I think I've showed them that throughout the years. And now I want them to understand, too, that you can also become a successful entrepreneur and that it takes hard work, right? And so I want to build that legacy for my family. I don't want us to be in a box, right? I want yeah. them to see what possibilities look like. I love that because, you know, that's such a, like that touches my heart space because I think when we think of life and we think of everything we can go through, it's whether we can actually instill possibility and hope in others for creating something for themselves. Because sometimes we're so limited by our circumstances, our environment, our cultures, our beliefs, all of those different things. But being able to help people to see possibility and hope and dream bigger, that changes the landscape massively. Um, so absolutely yes. love that. And, and I think, you know, with, with what you've done, you've, you've, you've created this network and you started to put yourself out there before you started your business, which is such a smart thing to do from anyone who's thinking about starting a business as well, is sometimes we, we take the leap and we're like, okay, now we need to get our ducks in the line. But that pre-preparation, getting your ducks in the line can really make the difference as to how successful you are and how quickly you can reach success in your business as well, which I think is, is a key factor to note um, for anyone that's listening. Because if you are in a, in a role right now and you know you want to leave and start your own business, what are you doing now to prepare for that business as well? Because it's not, it is hard. It's not easy. Um, and that's the truth, right? Um, we That's all the go truth. And it's still hard. <laughs> and, you know, and like I said, I did it a couple of years before I wanted to. But when I talk to people now, they're like, oh, my gosh, when we look at your company and what you've done and what you guys are accomplishing. Of course, we had COVID. We, you know, I wasn't, you know, no one could be prepared for that. Right. Um, but I did know when I left corporate that I would be OK if my company didn't make money for a few years. And I think everyone needs to understand that, too, because 
you're not, you may not be profitable right away, right? And then for COVID hit, you may have some. So I wanted to make sure that I was positioned for the long haul, right? And so when people look at what, I get this all the time and I'm in shock when people say it to me, but they're like, your company looks like you guys have been in business 10 years, you know, the things you've done, but that's because I was already prepping, preparing for those things. And I knew what they were, I knew what they were going to look like. Yeah. I think that's the skill and it's knowing, um, knowing risks in your business and actually being able to plan and mitigate for risks. Cause not a lot of businesses do that as well, especially when you're a small solopreneur and you're like, you have an amazing idea and you go with this concept and you're so excited by all of those things. But then you forget all the other businessy side of things, which is risk and how we can be impacted by risk. And if you're not prepared for it, it could make and break you, um, which is, you know, yes. massive. And that you can't do everything on your own. You know, when I started the business before, like I said, just out of sheer necessity, I did have one partner, one of my mentors in college. We went on to get we went together um, and on a contract with the county. But everything else I was doing, you know, pretty much on my own and networking through people. But I said that I was going to hire people to do certain things and that I knew that I would have that in my budget and I would be able to pay those people to support me, you know, through a certain period. So Mm -hmm. where a lot of people that I knew was um, not having help and trying to do everything, you just can't. I already work 23 hours out the day, so I can't work that 24th hour. (laughs) And so, you know, I also was prepared for that to be able to maintain um, the people that supported me. Absolutely. I think with your professional and both your corporate and your entrepreneurial background, what's, you know, everyone knows a business is not a business until you have sales. So what are your top tips on sales, the sales process on being a good saleswoman or salesman? Um, what are your top tips around those areas? You know, uh, making those connections, those true connections, like you and I had kind of had before the video <laughs> started, um, but making those really true connections. I, what I realized that I'm having to um, reach out to some different connections. And I think, you, and, re- and remember that you're always selling, you're selling yourself, you're selling your brand, you're selling your product, your service, your information. Be very clear on what you're selling first, right? But know that all those other things go into it, but be very clear on your product, be very clear on your service. And, um, but that process starts, especially during this time with COVID, when you can't go see people, it starts with making connections. Um, a friend of mine, my publisher always says, the, um, the, the biggest thing between sales is um, the R in contract, right? Um, he says there's contact and there's contracts and the R really is, stands for relationships. So you've got to be able to know how to build those relationships and nurture those relationships because, um, like our conference this year, annual conference, our sales conferences, um, 2021, the new sales era. And I'm, I'm taking my time around this, but the new sales era just basically means things are different. They've changed. And you have to have that flexibility. You have to know how to build those relationships. When you get on the phone with people these days, you may not talk about the sell at all your first call. You may not talk about it your second call because you need to be able to build that relationship. The ability to build that relationship and that rapport is, you know, is more important than ever before. And even if you don't get that sell, you can get the referral. But focus on building those relationships, focus on empathy and compassion. I think that's that's such a human aspect and we miss that in sales right 
we think we we're, we're always on on a like a sales treadmill, and we forget we're actually talking to a human being that has Absolutely. problems, that has issues. And when you connect with people on that level, um, you know it makes such a difference. How would you how would you help someone who isn't confident? Because we know that there's a lot of women, especially, that don't find the their own confidence within themselves and have high self worth to go out and a have that courage to have the call, b to also then ask for a payment and c to charge like the level that they actually deserve. How would you actually help someone through that process? You know, I always say preparation is key, right? And if they're prepared already with knowing what their product or service is, they have a great, uh, you know, I help people with their elevator pitch, you know, how to overcome objections. You have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for your initial meeting. You have to be prepared for uh, overcoming objections are really key. And you have to be firm and what your number is and understand why that is and what sets you across from the other, your competition, right? Yeah. Understand that. And when you're prepared, preparedness builds confidence. A lot of times we go into things and we're not prepared and we, we go into what I call that whole desperate sell moment where you just need to close something. Yeah. And that's really, and, and you know, when you're not prepared and when you're in that desperate sell moment, use this point, you need to close. That's when you, um, you let your guards down, you get taken advantage of, and you don't stand your ground. Yeah. So I try to teach people how to just always be prepared and to, you know, prepare that night before, the week before, have your bullets. I keep a notebook all the time. You know, we were talking, I was writing, I keep a, a notebook all the time and how it's okay to have your bullets there in front of you as a cheat sheet especially when you're on video, it's okay. But I've done it, taken it into meetings with me for years. I'll take my notebook and I have, and my, I've had customers say, Joyce, let me see that. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and I'll, you know, let them see it. But if you're prepared for all the poss possibilities and objections and things that will come up, then you will be more confident. Yeah. Trust me on that, ladies. Trust me on that. I think it's, it's I always say that, you know, um, what breeds confidence is competence. And when you can become competent in something, right? You have that confidence level. And in order to become competent, you have to do something. You have to consistently do the thing that you say you're going to do so that you become more competent in it. You know, nobody wakes up, you know, as a baby, we didn't wake up as a baby and just decide we're the best speaker in the world or we're the, you right. know, whatever, the best entrepreneur. It takes competence, it takes failing. And failing is actually, for me, I define that as just one way it didn't work. Now I'm going to find the next way that it's going to work. If that doesn't, I'll find the next way. And it's just that kind of perception around it. If you can become prepared, if you can learn about whatever you want to do and understand your market, your industry, your customers, all of those kind of things that make such a huge difference. Um, so you know, yeah, sometimes, go on, sorry. <laughs> now say, so, you know, and, so, and sometimes we spread ourselves too thin, right? My, what I do is very niche. I talk about sales and college yeah. students and young professionals is very, very niche, right? I'm not trying to be all to all. And I yeah. think that's important. And, and just, you, you talked about being there prepared to be competent. When you start something, study it, get a coach if you need to. I listen to a lot of webinars. I listen to um, podcasts. I, um, you know, I sign up for conferences and, and things like that so that I can study and understand. When I was asked to speak, I went and I signed up for a speaking mastermind course where and, and how to speaking coach because I, yeah. until that point, I was a 
professional who could speak. And now I needed to be a professional speaker. And I, and there's a difference. So invest in yourself, you know, and, and now there's so many platforms and things that are, you know, there, there's no cost to it. Like we talked about Clubhouse or Remit, yeah. you can go on Clubhouse and you can listen into some great um, houses and get some really good information any time of the day or night. Yeah. And you have so much access to information in the technology world that we live in now. You have access to not just information, but to people. So you can reach out to people because I think what you said about mentorship earlier on as well is so important because you can reach out to people and ask them to mentor you. It's so surprising. Some people think that that's such a hard thing to do, but people actually will say yes. If you go to them with a specific idea, specific plan and say, this is what I'm doing. If you are clear in what you're trying to do and clear in the help you need. I think it makes it easier for a mentor to say, you know what, I think I can help you. And a lot of people are, are willing to give you some time. Um, so it's like small little things like that, that can make such a difference. Absolutely. And, and the tool for you ladies, LinkedIn, you can go to LinkedIn and when you find someone that, you know, are doing what you want to do, reach out to them. You'll be surprised that people give you an hour of time, you know, have your own calendar link um, set up so you can send that to them and make it easy for them to look at their calendar and, and schedule time with you. You'll be pleasantly surprised how um, people will, you know, share their time with you and be willing to um, communicate their success. Thanks. Yeah, that's awesome information because that's also another free tool. There's so many free tools out there. Even Calendly, you can have a free account. Um, you know, like there's there's op there's opportunity more than we've ever known now in this day and age. And I think if we don't take advantage of that, we are just being really naive and we're holding ourselves back in so many ways as well. Um, so yeah, step out of that that zone of holding yourself back and just push forward. Take one step each day, and I think that makes a difference. Um, I wanted to take the conversation to a little bit of a different route now. Okay. I think, I think we have, we, we all have experiences that get us um, to a certain place. And sometimes we have to fall on our knees um, before we rise up again. And I want to know what point for you did you fall on your knees when it was difficult? Because a lot of times people see the picture perfect outside Instagram's lifestyle. And we don't, you know, we, we, we judge ourselves and we compare ourselves to that. And we're like, we're not living up to that standard. But behind the scenes, it's not very pretty. It's hard work. It's, um, you know, beneath that iceberg, there's so much that goes on. And I want to know what was a moment for you that you were like, I really need to pull everything within my soul to get through this and rise up again. You know, I, I was thinking about that person. Um, you know, I just released my seventh book and a somewhat of a memoir about my life in corporate America and all of the isms that I dealt with, you know, the sexism, the racism, the ism, you know, being a lot of times the first and only in the room. And I've been the first and only in room since I was a young girl. And I think at some point, um, you know, some of that can play on your sanity. You know, my mom says, pray for your sanity every day. And it is always a constant um, behind the scene um, Honestly, I'm just going to be very honest. It is constantly a behind the scene um, struggle sometimes in, in every part of life um, that I've been in. And I know um, for particular, there's when I moved to Miami and I took on a, um, a role there, 
um, building a business for a plastic surgeon. And I hadn't yet, I left behind all of my corporate contacts, contracts that I had in Houston, except for one, because I really needed to dive into that business and build that product line and things of that nature. Well, when they didn't get the second round of funding, I got basically like a less than a one week notice and that I wouldn't be paid anymore. It was contract. I, you know, so it wasn't like you can go file for unemployment. And I found out later that in Florida, you can, but I didn't know that. So, um, and I was, so I was trying, I had, so, okay, let me see how much money I have. Right. Um, I just moved um, from Ball Harbor to downtown Miami um, and to, for, you know, cause the, they had paid for me to be in Ball Harbor for like uh, nine months. And then I moved into my own place. And so I began, I was building a network, but it wasn't as strong as I, I needed it to be. And so I was, um, I said, let me start another, you know, business opportunity. I was already networking with some women to do that, but things weren't going as fast as I needed them to be. Right. I was running out of money. I had to borrow some money from my mom. I was like in this apartment in this high rise building downtown Miami. And I'm thinking, well, to move is going to cost more than it costs to pay the rent. So let me just always focus on getting the rent paid and working. And I was working day in and day out and I was getting contracts and things, but it was really tough and it just was hard to sustain, honestly. And I needed to hire someone for some help. And so I was sharing someone because I hadn't shared this story. I was sharing with someone how I needed to hire someone to do the things that I didn't know how to do and um, in, in you know, my business. And so I went and I took a job and um, a job in the evening stocking at a store, um, you know, putting, you know, decorating the store, putting things back, you know, all the, all those things. Um, and I had to convince them to hire me. No one would hire me. Everywhere I'd gone to, people were saying I was overqualified. I had too much experience. Oh, you wouldn't want this job. And so I was trying to, um, and you know, get a job, but no one would hire me. And so um, I went and I worked doing that. And I took all the money from that to do two things. I sold my car because I wasn't driving a lot. They have major transit and I love transit. Um, and so I um, sold my car. And so what I would do, I would rent a car on the weekends, the long weekend. So they had this thing where you could rent a car a long weekend. It was a ridiculously cheap amount of money. And so I basically had a car from Thursday to Monday to go to meetings. I scheduled all meetings and things within that, you know, times on Friday and Monday. So then I can drop that car back off if I, you know, if it wasn't somewhere I can get to on transit. And, um, and then I, you know, I let people talk me out of moving out of my place. A friend talked me out of moving out of my place and said, hey, I have a place. Come and live in my um, place. She had a condo and she had remodeled on the back end of the condo to Airbnb it sort of. And she said, well, I want you to come stay with me. Da, 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 da. So I did that. And then she started being mean to me. It didn't work. You know, I, I've never lived with anyone and it just didn't work. And it wasn't working. And I'm having this conversation. I, I know this taken long, but I'm having this conversation. What made me move back, take a job and go back to corporate was I was having a conversation with my mother. You know, we don't like disappointing our mothers. And my mother said, I need you to come home. And I'm like, why? You know, I'm, I'm here, I'm living, I'm working. She said, because I feel like you're homeless. Wow. And I said, I'm not homeless, mom. I, you know, I live here, da, 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 da. And, um, and I was dating someone, ladies, you know, it's easy to go and live with a guy, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to live with him. Um, and so 
she said, I feel like you're homeless. She said, whenever a woman doesn't have her own home and isn't providing her own roof over her head, she's homeless. And I was just like, whoa. Because I volunteered every week with the homeless. I'm like, no, I'm not homeless. I volunteer every week. I go to the church, you know, yeah. and, and I and I help out or whatever. And um, and I was like, and I have, you know, I have a little money in the bank and things like that. And so I started applying for jobs. I called some friends up that I had great connections with. And, um, you know, I applied for a job in Miami, but the need was in Houston. And they said, would you be interested in moving back to Houston? We noticed that you're from Houston. I said, yes, of course, the moment I left Miami, everyone started calling me for things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in Houston now. And I'm kind of back in corporate and, you know, and things like, and I yeah. started to leave and go back, but I didn't, you know, at that point I was like, well, I'm, I didn't want to damage my brand or my friend's brand for, you know, what we had done and put together to get me that role. But that was a hard hit for me. And even now I think about that. I'm like, I, was I homeless? You know, because, but in my mother's eyes, I was homeless. And when she yeah. said that to me, I was like, wow, that really, that makes sense. And um, yeah. And so that hit me really hard. It took me into like a little funk for some time. And I had to brush myself off every day, um, go for a walk. As a mom say, pray for my sanity and really figure out if I was on the right direction of life. And I, um, you know, I don't have regrets, but I, I, when I look back, I felt disappointed that I left and went back into corporate because I had done so much groundwork. And I think that my business would have been where I wanted it to be. But again, it's the difference of creating a business out of necessity and just jumping in versus being prepared to and having a plan to start a business. But that was a big overall moment for me. And then on the personal side, because I know there's a lot of, you know, that is pretty personal, but it's personal and it's business and things. Um, when I divorced, that was a very, um, very trying time for me. It was, I tell people, um, it's the worst pain I've experienced next to death. Um, and I, uh, that was a very challenging time for me. And I remember walking down um, the street in San Francisco, just feeling the weight of it all. And all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't walk. It was like my legs were coming from underneath me. And um, and I had to, I lived in the Bay Area before. I just happened to be there on business at that time. And I had to call a friend who lived in the area. And I had to, um, I had a flight home the next day, but I, it was no way I could leave. And I basically stayed at her house for a few days to just try to um, heal myself. And then when I got back home to Houston, I left and went to Dallas to another friend's house and stayed for a couple of weeks to try to, um, you know, be in, put myself in a support system away from my family where it wouldn't, um, you know, upset my mom, you know, yeah. uh, but it was a very, very trying time. And if you ever talk about a time when you're praying a lot for your sanity, that would have, those two times would have been it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that both those deep stories because I think you know the, the reality is that we all we all have challenges that we face and it's how we how we rise up from them and sometimes we don't that's the other thing sometimes we don't and and I totally totally know how you feel with feeling like you had no legs to kind of like move and and I've been through different circumstances where that feeling of not wanting to like see life again or see yourself living again you, it's like impossible to see yourself living again as well in some ways and that's such an important thing to note that people do go through challenges and we have the capacity the capability the strength within us to rise above it but we have to 
somehow we have to respect what we're going through as well. We have to respect that pain. We have to respect that journey and we have to heal. Like we've got to give it time to heal. We've got to give ourselves the time to heal because we aren't machines. We are human and we have to allow ourselves to go through those processes like grief and loss and pain. Because even in divorce, it's grief, it's loss, it's pain, all of those different things. And it's, it's tough. It's tough as hell. Um, what do you think was your guiding force or guiding light that helped you and what gave you even even in that sense of knowing I need to heal what gave you that conviction in you to know that I need to do this now you know first of all um you know when people ask me about failure I, I saw those as failures right and so but you have to keep getting up I one I have um an amazing family support system. You know, my mom and her sisters are very strong women. And and so I have, and, and you know, um, my siblings and even my first cousins, we almost are like siblings. I have an amazing support system. Um, when I mention my roles in life that are important to me, you know, being a daughter, being a great sister and a, a you know, an aunt and a niece, and those things. Um, I was also the firstborn grandchild on both sides of my family. And I've always taken that as a responsibility. My, my grandmother said, well, they're watching you, right? Mm -hmm. And I pull from that strength all the time because I know that, and, and with my niece that I um, have at the time, um, I know that when I'm talking to myself and they're calling to check on me, and I can hear that the, they're worried and concerned, right? You could hear that in their voices. And you're thinking to yourself, you've got to pull out of this. I cannot allow my nieces or my sister to think that when something happens in life that you feel defeated, that it's okay to stay in that space. You have to brush yourself off and you have to get back in the game, you know? Yeah. And I share with my nieces all the time. We ha I have this thing, put your game face on. And I have them show me their game face. I'm like, no, 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 change your game face. Give me your game face. You have to get back in the game. And I think, um, you know, but again, I, I have a great support system with my friends um, and my family. And, um, and my, I have a, it's important for us women, for us to tell other women that they're beautiful and they're strong and they're smart. My friends tell me that, you know, they tell me that they love me. I tell them that I love them. We tell each other, oh, you're so amazing. You're awesome. Oh, you know, and, and they were telling me that through that. They're like, Joyce, you are, you know, <laughs> you're amazing. Yeah. You're the smartest woman I know, you know, that, and, and, you know, so every once in a while people keep telling you that you just like the bad stuff, you begin to believe the good stuff too. And it helps yeah. you to be able to dust yourself off. Right. And not yeah. to say that at the end of the night, you don't go home and put the pillow over your head and still cry some tears. It's just saying that you get up and you get back in the game. Yeah. That's and I so, always so know that you got to stay in the game. Yeah. It's so important, like everything you just said, like, I mean, the whole the whole interview has been so amazing. But it's just that, you know, having that network of people, your family, your friends, because they're the people that you can place your your safety in. When you are weak, they are the ones that will lend you like their strength. And they will also lend you their courage when you don't have courage to face the things you need to face. And I think it's so important that we, especially as women, we need to know who those people are who we can trust in those spaces to hold us safe and who we can be vulnerable with at that at, the, at those times, it's crucial. 
um, you don't share with everyone. You share with the ones that you can trust completely. Right. And I love, I love that circle. Like I've, 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 every woman has that circle. And I think it's so you know, important. You know, um, you know, I say God, you guys may say life or universe, what have you always gives you what you need. And so happens I was in San Francisco and just so happens that one of my most spiritual and loving and counseling of friends lived there. And um, I was able to go to her home. And when I was just saying about my marriage and feeling a failure and different things like that, and she said, I know that you support everyone in your life. You love everyone. You push everyone in your life. You do whatever you can for everyone in your life. So why would it have been any different in that relationship? Yeah. You know, I know that you did what you could and it, but it didn't work and you've got to pick yourself up. So not only did they take care of me and fix me, my favorite green cheese and bring me my favorite foods and things of that nature and just let me veg out and, you know, and do nothing. Um, but they also, um, during those times, you know, held me accountable to um, getting up. Yeah. And it's almost as though, like, you know, there was their support, their encouragement, their love for you breathes life back into you. Because Absolutely. We, we lose that, you know, because it is like when a relationship ends, we will start to think, oh, what did I do? What didn't I do? How am I supposed, like, what is wrong with me? And that all can like play into it so massively. And then you need those people that know you well, that can remind you and breathe new beliefs back into you and take those old beliefs that are just like, you know, because like, we then lose our sense of self-worth. We, we think we're not good enough. And, you know, all of that depth of pain, we need people to say, you know what, you're actually an amazing person and you need your cheerleaders in life because it's not to say we want to inflate our egos or anything like that, but sometimes we forget how amazing we are and we need reminding. And I think that's what is so important and so crucial to have the right sorts of people around you as well. Absolutely. And even in that corporate life, ladies, because our, and everyone that's per listening, but even in that corporate life, because in my most recent book, No Back Doors for Me, I write about um, a story about a friend calling me and she had done everything, everything that they had asked her to do in corporate. And she was just this amazing person, smart and sharp and things. And, you know, and she ended up, you know, leaving and um, having to, you know, you know, having to follow a case and things like that. And she just says, she said to me, why wasn't I enough? Yeah. And I said, you were, yeah. you were enough, you are enough. And maybe she was just too much for that space. She outgrew that too much space. for that space. And, yeah. and, you know, and I share all the time that I have this quote that my team put out from that book when I was writing that I found in times, if I'm having a challenge selling myself in a space and a team or what have you, then recognize it's time to go. Yeah. I want, you know, it's time to go and be where you are celebrated versus tolerated. It's time to go and own your space and your heart because it's important for the people in our lives to see us as our best selves. And, and a lot of times in these jobs, we don't realize that we are in a verbally abusive relationship. And abuse is abuse, whether it's in a, at a personal level, um, you know, at home, or if it's in corporate and you have to know that how great you are and it's okay for you to pack up your bags and go do something else. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, that's hundred percent. You need to go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. And you need to know that you're worth more than you think others think you're worth. You need to know Absolutely. your own worth. Um, so it has been amazing speaking to you. I love all the stories. I could talk to you for ages. 
because <laughs> um, there's so much to share. There's so much wisdom that you have to offer the world. And I thank you so much for your time today and, and doing this with me. You know, um, I love I love hearing everyone's stories and I just want to help everyone get to hear all these amazing things that women in the world are doing and hear the stories that have gotten them there because I know not everyone's journey has been easy. Um, so thank you for your time. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you.